0: Joining me on the podcast today is John Baldino, president at Humoriso, and Josh Rock, talent acquisition manager at Nuss Truck Group Incorporated. So, John and Josh, thanks so much for taking a few minutes of your crazy days to spend some time with me on the podcast talking about trends for 2023 in HR. Awesome. thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So... You know, we're doing a webinar on this in a couple of days here. And it's funny because usually by this time of the year, I feel like I've seen multiple blog articles and, you know, research coming out like, hey, what's coming for 2023? And it's really light this year. Um, a lot of people haven't kind of put a stake in the ground as to like what we should expect for 2023. What do you guys think that is?
1: I'm seeing some carryover um, stuff that they didn't get done for 22 because of the chaos of you know, whether it was people working from home or reductions in force that they're just like, hey, we're just going to quietly tiptoe all of our projects into 23. I mean, I could name some names, but maybe we can get to that in a bit.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'll name two. Uh, th- the, honestly, I know I was messing around, but I do think that people are afraid because uh, for two reasons. One, it's it's a very unstable, it's sort of quietly unstable in the economy at the moment. And and what I mean by quietly is, uh, I think there's sort of like competing agendas and so the messaging is sort of a little convoluted, but I think that that that's part of the reason why we're seeing the layoffs at this time that we're seeing from some companies, and I'm gonna say large and small. And I know the large ones make the news, but small companies are laying people off as well. and so I think people are a little afraid to make predictions because the ground is unsettled. And we also are in a world where um, if you say it and it doesn't come true, like then you're afraid your street cred goes away. Right. And and we have to be a little nicer
0: to one another. Oh, I completely agree. You know, it's interesting. The unsteady ground thing I was looking at um, just the news this morning and, you know, Twitter laid off a bunch of people, obviously, with Elon Musk taking over. Facebook slash metaverse just let yeah. go of what, 13,000, I think was the number uh, yeah. I saw this so, morning.
2: 11 or 13, something yeah. a lot. Yeah.
0: Yeah. A lot of people. And what's interesting is they were hiring as of 12 months ago. You know, they were ramping up and hiring. So I completely agree that there's, there's this slowing of things that's happening and so we have to adjust to it
2: well and i think part of the trend is <clears throat> this is a course correction right so uh, i mean josh and i i know we talked about this a while ago but um we spent a lot of money on talent earlier this year to get people because we were so desperate for folks that the compensation um uh bands that were being used grew a lot and yeah right and so we knew that companies were going to, especially the larger ones, g- going to have to deal with budgets and say, we can't afford to keep this up. So we're going to have to cut people and then we can level set where the rate of pay is back to something we can afford long term.
1: Yeah, the uh, the greed and excess is uh, like the rubber band that's snapping back and hitting you square in the back end. Yeah. Um, you know, and th- companies that were smart aren't going to see that nearly as much much like my organization, you know, we, we've grown, um, rightfully we've done pay within the, you know, within the realm of that we should be. Um, so we shouldn't see that now, obviously transportation is near recession proof. I mean, you look through the pandemic and, you know, people still needed to get telepaper. So we were still busy fixing trucks so they could get there. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you're going to see some of that snap. People were desperate. They were overpaying, as John said. Um, people thought they could get it, Well, now what happens on their side as talent when they're getting laid off and they're not making the pay that they thought they were going to make because they thought they could get what they could get it? It's going to be interesting.
0: I think you're right, though, about organizations who were uh, a little more forward thinking. You know, I'm I'm fortunate that I worked for an organization that at the very beginning of the pandemic you know, their, their motto was we're not going to lay anybody off. We're going to figure out how to get through the pandemic and not lay anybody off. And they also took a conservative approach to the other side is to bringing in talent, right? We're not going to over inflate what we're paying people because we know it's gonna Like you said, we know it's going to snap back. Like, and so we're going to be hurting in a different way if we do that. And And I
2: think too, and this is this is, will be an unpopular opinion. And so I can't help it. And, and I'm too old to care about street cred anymore. So, I mean, I think that part of it, Oh, Josh, you're so kind. Uh, The, the, the part of it is um, this demand centric consideration that candidates have right now. Um, uh, You know, you're not the, you're not the prettiest dude for the dance anymore. Like you're going to have to just deal with the fact that yes, it felt really good eight months ago that everybody wanted you, you were up for, you know, homecoming king or queen or whatever thing has been like tapped into for you to have. And now you're not as popular, right? You can't call the shots as much. I mean, I, d- I talked to somebody last week who was like, "John, um I'm looking for, you know, this kind of role at 175,000 plus equity in the organization. I never want to come into the office. I'm looking for benefits to be covered for my entire family." And I'm like, "Me too. Wait, let me know if you find that." And I own my own company. Like uh, let me know, if you, because I think people have to sort of reset their expectations and and this work from home work hybrid work in a facility. It's gonna to come to a head. I'm I'm gonna predict certainly first half of next year. We're going to see it come to a head. We already started to see it happen this year and and everybody wants to sort of boohoo about it. Um, it's not a bad thing to work with other people physically. We have to stop saying that. It, we have to stop saying that.
1: You heard it here, people. John said it's gonna be an office thing. You're going back, you gotta work with people again. Forget yeah. working with your cat. Um, go back to work. You yeah. heard it here from John.
2: Yes. Yes. Because we, we are, and, and I, you know, again, Josh and I have talked about this, but like we have created in 2022 a little bit of a caste system and shame on HR for letting it happen. Um, that you know the work remote or work hybrid roles are better than the ones that you have to come in and physically work. Shame on us for letting that be something that people think. I need people to come into work and fix trucks, Josh, like you were talking. Like we need those folks. Don't make them feel like, oh poor you, you can't stay home and work on a computer. No, that's not true. Not poor them. I'm so grateful for them. I'm so grateful.
1: You know, the one thing that John and I find is that even though we work remote, you know, in our in our HR capacity, we still crave that in-person interaction. I mean, uh, John and I have a collection of friends that are on uh, WhatsApp constantly. Uh, Nicole Roberts, you may be aware of. She was also one of the influencers at Shermanual. Um, you've got Jessica Chung, who works for LeapGen. You've got Ben Watts over in Australia. I mean, we have this collection, Steve Brown. Everybody knows Steve. We're all in this conversation, you know, because we need that. We thrive on that interaction, that feedback, that support. Um, when we can't get it in person, we have to find a way to do that. Um, and that only does so much. Um, you know, we, you know, Jessica and I went to Ohio recently to hang out with with Nicole. Um, John's like, hey, come hang out in, in Florida. Hell, screw living in Minnesota. Come move to Vero Beach, Florida. That's- um you know, so these are the, these are the things that we're, we think about. Um, but it's the same thing for the office. I mean, S- Susie Johnson doesn't have an overhead crane to work on a semi truck in her garage. She's right. got to come in. I'm sorry. Your work from your work remote thing. Isn't going to work in my industry and, and healthcare. Come on. Are you going to be donning and doffing in your basement when you got to work on a patient for open heart surgery? No, <laughs> get over yourself. Uh, you know, When I sit and I talk to candidates on the phone, whether they're for my industry or I'm talking at USC about biomed guys, you have to go work in offices at times. Not every role has a capacity to be remote or hybrid or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, companies, it it just doesn't work that way. So it's upon us in in HR to level set, to set realistic expectations. I talk to my candidates when I tell, I'm like, guys, I am not your gatekeeper. The end gatekeeper is going to be the hiring manager and yourself. What I am, I'm as your, I'm your navigator. I, or as I tell John, I'm your dance partner, buddy. Um, <laughs> I'm going to help you through the process, but in doing so, I'm going to level set expectations. So John's candidate had that had the layer upon layer of expectations, you know, it, when their expectations are out of whack, it's upon us to say, Hey, you know what? While I understand that, here's the realistic expectations for what our organization can do for you. This is going to be a great opportunity. And now you can decide whether or not you want to gatekeep yourself out.
0: Did you, I'm I'm curious as your organization, especially, because I agree, there are a lot of roles that could not, cannot, do hybrid or remote. And that's just the reality. My husband's a firefighter, um, by trade. And so like pandemic was very interesting. You know,
2: uh, can your husband put out fires by Zoom? I think (laughs) we'd be pissed if that was the fire department's on Zoom.
0: (laughs) Yeah. But, but we still are talking about employee experience and culture and all that kind of stuff. And that's obviously changing. And Gen Z is going to affect that and Gen Alpha coming up is going to affect that. So I'm curious, Josh, in your world, How have you thought about employee experience because it's so different than like hybrid
1: or remote? So one of the things that we've done is we've simplified processes. Um, You know, when I got here, the standard was you had to fill out the legal application before we would consider you. I'm hiring diesel mechanics. These are guys that turn wrenches all day and change the air filter in trucks and change wheel. I mean, they weld, they're not on computers. Now, granted, to do the work in our institution, they have to use computers to enter repair orders and ask for um, supplies. Um, but these guys turn, they don't want to spend 20 minutes fe- fe- filling out a legal application. So what we did was we used a text messaging software where they could text us their resume or application or their information. And you know, then we call them, we go through the phone interview. If, everybody's on the up and up on the, on, on being interested. Then we book the interview simultaneously. We have them then do the application. So what we did is we laid the groundwork early. We built a connection, we built a relationship and then we had them do that, that legal application that we have to get, we have to get, and then move them through the process. Yeah. It's extra steps, but I don't have them spend needless time. I'm not losing, I'm, you know, candidate engagement because, of having to have these pieces. I mean, we were seeing probably a drop ratio of in excess of 75% people going to our job postings. You can't sustain that, you know, so we had to find another way of doing it. And so we used uh, SMS to help with that. We used uh, a short online apply, you know, form, which was literally name, phone number, email. And then we could get, we gave them the option of an attachment where they could load a document. Um, I love the international, you know, candidates. They're sending me profile pictures of them in, in their car in Uganda. Um, I'm like, dude, I, I would love to hire you just by your profile picture, your headshot you sent me, but it's just not going to work. Um, you know, some would actually send me resumes, which is great. Someone send me letters. I'm, I'm OK with that. But it was what a simpler way to get my attention and start the process. Um, but then, you know, we try to do things. Um, we've done our mechanics assessment electronically or they could do it from the comfy confines of home. It's 50 questions, you know, 35, multiple choice, like you were back in elementary school. Um, they can do it from the the comfy confines of home and DocuSign tells me when they looked at it, when they completed it. So I know that they didn't spend three hours looking up all the answers. We found ways around it to uh, ease the candidate experience, um, get us the return that we need. And we're definitely seeing the dividends. I mean, um, our highest, uh, rate of hire was 80 hires in 2018. We're over a hundred. We'll be at hundred by the end of December. We've eclipsed our highest watermark of hiring in a, in the current crappy, uh, employment market that we're in right now. Um, I'm taking, taking full, uh, full badge of honor on that one. Uh, it's been, it's been fun. It's been a good ride.
0: You touched base on something. That I think is really important, too, is you mentioned all those technology pieces, but they didn't take away from the human experience you were creating. They augmented it. And I think that is a trend. I'm using that word loosely. But as we think about the future of digitization and digital and all that stuff, I think there's this fear that we're going to take the human out of it. And if you do that, you're doing it wrong. I, you are. You're doing it wrong. It should be, aid you.
1: AI, we hear AI everywhere we go and ai can never replace a human connection it just can't um you are doing your organization a disservice you're doing your candidates a disservice by doing that i mean perfect example i'm talking to a candidate over the phone and i know this male diesel mechanic has a significant other because he alluded to it in the phone interview i'm like is she there in the room with you he's like yeah i said you know let's let's get her on the phone. Let's put put me on speakerphone. I want to answer any questions she has because I know this isn't just a you decision, that's a us decision for your family. I'm like, what does she do? And we started talking and she's in healthcare, she's a rad tech, she does x-rays. I'm like, Great, if we make this happen, I'm going to introduce you to a bunch of other hospitals. Sorry, AI can't do that. Right. Perfect example.
2: I think that what what we wind up doing to that tech point, right, certainly tech, it matters. It does make things easier for some people. Accessibility can work easier. Certainly, even even if you don't live on a computer, you have a smartphone at this point, right? And so being able to sort of access things from wherever you are, just from the computer in your pocket, quite frankly, it's easy. Um, And we want to meet people where they are. I think it's a smart thing to do. What I I typically see is that the coldness of technology, I feel like I didn't intend on sort of being an indictment to HR, but it sure is going to seem like it. Uh, The coldness of technology most times is started by human resources because we look for software that makes our jobs easier, often to, to the detriment of those that we're trying to serve. And I'm ouch, right? Here comes the ads, right? I'm going to get tagged all over the place. But the, the idea of it really needs to not be what makes my job easier in HR, but what will serve the people that I'm here to support better? How will I make their life better? How do I make their access and less stressful? How, Josh, I love that point about, you know, the family. How do I, how does the technology help their family Because I have plenty of people, even on my end, when it comes to benefits, as an example, where the employee, you know, is like, I think I have benefits. And you're like, yes, you have benefits. What are you talking about? Like, you're signed up and everything. Well, my significant other, spouse, whatever it is, partner needs to look at everything. And it's right there. Hit that little app you have on your phone right there. Under It says benefits. I don't want to make this overly complicated. Right where it says benefits, touch that word. And everything opens up. You can sit at home and read through all the summary plan descriptions all night long. If it helps you to sleep, if you want to have a conversation, whatever it is. Uh, But I'm here to serve you in thinking that way. I'm not here to say, oh, gosh, my census is my census that I have to do for benefits will be so much easier. As long as I have this software, forget that it, it screws everybody else up. My life will be easier. It's the wrong perspective.
0: I want to I want to throw this out here. So um, AI HR, so the Academy to Innovate HR, they have their list out there. And I hadn't seen this before. I, I, so I want you to react to it because I thought it was pretty interesting. Um, one of the trends they're saying for 2023, HR enters the metaverse. What do you guys think about that?
2: Lord Jesus, help us. That's my first response. <laughs> we, can't, we can't handle this universe. Now we're going to be set free in the metaverse. Golly.
1: I, you know, it, are we going to be starting doing, you know, career fairs with Oculus headsets on? No. Listen, no. I'm going to
2: tell you, you, I, I'm, this is not planned. Everybody. I just saw uh, some people graduate and get some sort of certificate in learning HR in the metaverse. Cause I saw it posted on LinkedIn. I don't know who it was. I don't remember. Please don't give me a hard time. I just thought, <clears throat> um, the, If that's true, right, if we're really going into the metaverse, the the core components of what we're supposed to do at at Human Resources probably still need to activate in the metaverse just as much as they do in this real universe, right? So it doesn't doesn't make me any more, first of all, HR, it doesn't make us cool because we're in the metaverse. You're still going to dance like Elaine from Seinfeld. Just let it go. it's just what it is so just saying hey i'm i'm in the metaverse now makes the metaverse less cool it's when your mom is on tiktok tiktok is less cool right like that's that's just the John Baldino
1: is on tiktok
2: no i am not because my kids said do not go on tiktok
1: right like don't don't enter my space dad
2: That's right. That is right. So now I'm in the metaverse, like creeping over the virtual wall, looking into Snoop Dogg's backyard, right? Trying to figure out what what party he's got going. It doesn't make me cool. If the, if the intention behind those kinds of things is really to be thoughtful around the future of work, then I'm all for it. How are we exploring the future of work in the metaverse practically and sustainably, not just from a trend standpoint, sustainably what will this look like for us to engage people at that level it's a real world as far as commerce is concerned right there is a, an entire vein of it that's happening in the metaverse it isn't going to be for us to just come in and you know ready to write our metaverse handbook it's got to be much more to it than that
0: i do think training could look really cool in the metaverse you know i was thinking Josh about your your world and can you imagine if a mechanic can learn with an Oculus headset and, and gloves. I don't know what the actual term is for them. I'm sure they have some fancy name, but you know, gloves where they could actually work in tools and have that feedback. I mean, that
1: they that already could have it. Re- sherry.
0: No way. Yeah. Really?
1: Yeah. It already exists. There, 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 there's applications out there right now that will start from outside the cab of a truck and go in all the way in to tell you where the guts are for a particular element that's gone out. So if you run a diagnostics check, and you see that there's an error in this part of the engine or exhaust system, you can actually hone in on where that's going to be in that specific model of the truck.
0: Wow. I I had no, clearly I had no idea.
1: You can get down to the, to the, to a screw that goes into a part. So you know what part you need.
0: They need to give this to just like regular people so we can fix our cars. I know maybe that's like taboo to say, but
1: I do it. I do it all the time. I'm like, when, when my, when my, oh, washing machine went out. It wouldn't, it would it wouldn't spin anymore. Um, actually or maybe it was the dryer. I don't know. Anyway, one of those two, two appliances, basically I, instead of paying a repairman $800 to come to my house, I used a two cent zip strip zip tie and zip tied a little piece to my dryer. And it worked like a, like, worked like a charm. Thank yeah, you I YouTube.
2: So you filled it with water because you got confused between the washing machine and the. I,
1: I don't remember which. This was like three years ago. I don't remember <laughs> which machine it was. But, um, yeah, I mean, it worked fantastically. I didn't have to go buy a new machine. A, a two-cent zip strip, you know, saved me from a $800 machine.
2: And that, that's where I think, you know, YouTube is a great example, right? I think that when you're looking at platforms, you're looking to see what will give us the greatest benefit and the greatest reach for those that we support. So if you do have a a um, diversified staff geographically, then having something that is going to be helpful to meet people where they are just because of time zones and and schedules, um, they can log into something and have that virtual experience, I think is helpful. What I would what I would continue to encourage is it's a piece of it. Right. So when someone puts on an Oculus for the first time and has to diagnose a truck or has to show what they would do um, as a, as a dental hygienist or shows what they would do for this or that. Uh, if it's somebody's first time putting something like that on, if you're, if you're a cutting edge company and doing that, if that's really your only you know litmus test to say whether someone's going to move forward or not, I got to tell you, there's probably a bunch of people who will not do well the first time. Get, have some grace in these things because it isn't natural. I mean, we've watched, I know I have, countless hours on reels of all the people who wear Oculus and then just pummel every human being that's near them or break televisions or, I mean, it's hilarious. But understand the reason that's funny is because it's someone's first interaction with it, and they don't know what to do with it. So I think with any tech platform, we also have to be thoughtful that it isn't unintentionally causing bias to a particular population of people that may not, you know, my my son is a streamer, he has two hands but works forty seven controllers. I don't know how he does it, but he does right between the keyboard and camera and and all these other. I sound so old even saying it this way. <laughs> But I can't do that. I know I, I can't do it. I'm not coordinated enough. If I had to like cover for him for his stream, it would be his thousands of followers would go away because I would screw it up.
0: Oh, I think Does they would know. tune in.
2: Yeah, don't, well, Don't that, undersell right? that. <laughs> for that. But, but make sure that you know your population. Give enough room for people to be successful in, in maybe a couple of different ways.
0: My oldest son has a, a headset. And um, when I was visiting him, he's like, yeah, let's try this. I want you to to try this game. game. I'm using the term very loosely because it was like a walk the plank on a... Skyscraper game. I don't know why you would want to do this, but the intent is you walk out on this plank and walk back. Mm-hmm. And I got like out the window and I was like, yep, nope, nope, no thank you, nope, not <laughs> doing it, not. And but my husband, he jumped off the plank. I mean, he like did the whole like fall to the ground, the whole thing. I was like, I, you're wired different. I mean, that's being yes. a fireman, right? Yes.
2: Literally, I'd have a medical event <laughs> right? if I was, I would like, right. I just. I'm in it. So I'm going to have that experience. So it's not positive for everybody.
0: Yeah, so. I agree. Um, as you guys think forward, so for, like we started the conversation, right? Like nobody's really putting a stake in the sand. I mean, Gardner is, but I haven't really seen anybody else come out and say like, these are the five things you have to do, which I'm not going to ask you for five things. But as you think forward in your spaces, What's the one thing that you're most curious to see how we do in the next year?
2: I mean, I'll go. I'm so I'm, I was I was deferring to you first, Mr. Truckman. I thought you were going to say something about something with diesel. Um, <clears throat> I, I'm Maybe most. We EV. I'm most curious to see um, what reskilling looks like next year, because if I'm going to make a, another, besides the physicality of work, I think the other thing that is going to be necessary is reskilling. I think that we are going to have to be, as employers, organizations are going to have to actually drive the reskilling of talent and not sit back and passively say, well, if they want this job, let's see if they put the work in. I think that from a resource standpoint, we won't have enough people who have access to what they need in order to, to reskill in some ways, um, and so the onus will be on an organization. I am curious to see which
1: organizations
2: will rise to the
1: occasion.
0: How about you, Josh?
1: I'm interested to see the level of humility that returns to industry, both in the corporate and in the employee or candidate, um, because right now, the last you know year and a half. Has been all about ego. Mm-hmm. Um, you see it in HR tech and the amount of money that they're throwing around. You see it in candidates and what they're demanding. Um, I'm interested to see the return to humility. Um, what companies and say you know that stand up and say you know what we aren't the end all be all. So we're going we're we're going to combine with somebody else to fill the gaps that we don't have. HR, I'm hearing this whether I'm here at Ceridian Insights right now in Las Vegas or at other conferences, they're tired of the tech stack. They want things that work, you know, seamlessly, you know, where the gaps are. So does HR tech finally say, okay, people are going to start you know, shedding software because they they don't have the money anymore. We need to be humble and say, Hey, we don't have it all. So we're going to see, we're going to see more combination. Maybe that's it, you know, uh, or maybe they offer more. And then, and the candidates, you know what, I don't deserve all of the money that I was asking for a year ago, eight months ago. Um, all of the, the, the work from home, the extra vacation days, the sabbatical you know, all of these things that they've been asking for without actually doing the work, you know, and then you add into, you know, what John was saying about reskilling, you know, how, you know, do we see this flood of, of workforce coming in that has been sitting dormant for the last two years? You know, I'm, who knows? I'm excited to see where everyone just says, mm-hmm. OK, we're cool. We're all cool again.
0: I like that. I think that could be a really cool place to be where organizations think more collaboratively with each other. Um, there's, you know, we've talked about this before, like there's, there's more than enough money to go around. There's more than enough, you know, space for every influencer to influence, right? Like there's space for all of us. (laughs)
1: <laughs> um, no,
0: <laughs> but, but as
1: but, long as you have John and I on the list, that's then right. we're good. That's that right,
0: right. Um, but but there's truth to that, right? There's space for everybody, and so how do we think? How do we elevate each other? You know, how do I look at the work that you guys are doing and go, hey, how do I step in and have a partnership with you and elevate the work you're doing, and mm-hmm. vice versa, and not feel like we're competing, right? Because we're in the same space, right? I think there's so much there's so much truth to that. So I really love that.
1: I love the fact that you brought that up. Um, one, I, I had this very same conversation last night with Lisa Tollickson who sells for Paylocity. I was telling her that you and I were uh, going to be on this and she said, how did this come about? And I told her the story about how we connected John and I and you. And she's like, oh, this is great. And I said, you know, Lisa, one of the things that you can do is after this podcast comes out is share it with your prospects in your market here in Minnesota and elsewhere, because it's going to have two really fabulous HR guys talking yeah. about what's going on and the connection to Paylossity and how can we help each other? And so we're actually going to have a call, Lisa and I are next week, about that very same topic, about how can we help each other out? How can I help her elevate you know, and, and connect with HR, whether or not they buy Paylossity down the road? Um, so yeah, good good drop, good drop there, Sherry. I appreciate that.
0: <laughs> it was well-planned, <laughs> okay. I guess. I mean, and that's where I
2: think that the common full circle, right? The humanity piece matters so much. I think that we, we, we really don't, if you think about what we do, first of all, don't take yourself too seriously. And second of all, we're in the people business, all of us, whether you're selling tech, whether you're in HR, whether you're in finance, I mean, the horrors of horrors, they're in the people business too, because if we don't have people as clients, as customers, whatever space you're in, B2B or B2C, it, it falls apart, business needs people. And so if we just remember that we are working with other people, it helps you to just have a better attitude about things. I, I don't this whole influencer thing or whatever these titles are that we use. I told, I appreciate it. I know the context, but overall, you know, when I'm talking to someone who has to take leave because there's a medical situation happening at home, they don't care that I'm an influencer in somebody else's eyes. They're hoping that I can be an influencer in their situation. And that's what we have to remember.
0: What a great note to end on for our conversation. This has been uh, a lot of fun. I think that's the, the word I'm going to use because I think that's the best way to spend time with people who are in our space together. So thanks for taking a few minutes of your guys' day to chat with me. Thanks for asking. Totally. This podcast is brought to you by Paylocity, a leading HCM provider that frees you from the tasks of today so you can focus more on the promise of tomorrow. If you'd like to submit a topic or appear as a guest on a future episode, email us at pctytalks at paylocity.com.